the higher you get into an organization, the more you need to recognize that you're spending a lot more time leading through others versus managing the business. And you've got to do both. There's the management of the business, but there's the leadership of the people. The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players, directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by CBRE. CBRE is the global leader in real estate operations, providing solutions to the world's largest energy, oil, and gas companies. CBRE supports their clients' facilities both upstream and downstream without compromising safety by delivering strategies that optimize operations, reduce costs, and risk. Unlock the power of your energy, oil, and gas portfolio with CBRE. Learn more at www.cbre.com forward slash EOG. Here's some great news. Not only has OGGN launched our Sunday update with a lot of exclusive information that you can get in your inbox every Sunday, we've also finally, finally launched a merch store. So if any of you want an industry leader's t-shirt, you can find one in the link in the show notes. All right, without further ado... Let's get into it, and let me introduce this week's guest. I'm sitting here today with Alan Satter-White, president of Pipeline and Power at Chevron. How are you, Alan? I'm doing well, Paige. How are you? Good, good. Let's talk about how you got started in the oil and gas industry. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a multi-part equation. There's, uh, I call it proximity and affinity. The proximity side of this is I grew up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Oh, that'll do it. That's it, right? (laughs) So as you know, and many others know, from Baton Rouge down to New Orleans and south of New Orleans, it's a large port system, right? And so you're surrounded by the refinery and the petrochemical industry, the midstream industry, and we're also known for our upstream exploration and production industry. So I grew up proximate to that space. And then the affinity side was my father worked in this industry. He was a tankerman working on the Mississippi River on barges and ships. And actually, one of my first jobs was as a tankerman as well. Working oh, on that's Mississippi cool. River. Yeah. And so I worked through high school and all the way through college in the tankerman side of the business. And then at LSU, I studied petroleum engineering, and that was my launch and my gateway into the industry. So affinity and proximity all around. Very good. Very good. So let's kind of go through all the different roles you've gone through at Chevron since you've been there most of your career. I have. You know, when I first started out of LSU, I landed with Santa Fe Drilling Company. I spent a little bit of time with Santa Fe Drilling Company offshore as a drilling engineer and then later joined Texaco. Then Texaco Mm -hmm. and Chevron came together. But on the Texaco side, I worked as a petroleum engineer, asset engineer, optimization engineer. And then through Chevron, moved into a number of different roles and capacities. I continue to work in some of the engineering capacities, but also spent some time in our midstream business and natural gas liquids marketing trading. 
I worked over in the Bangkok, Thailand area in our Asia South business unit as our GM of strategy and planning. I spent some time in Indonesia leading our heavy oil asset operations and then later our asset development for all of Indonesia. And so I've done a number of different things, including some of the corporate jobs and strategy and planning and currently leading our pipeline and power organization. So kind of a broad spectrum of things. Yeah. Yeah. How's the culture shock with all the traveling? It was an incredible experience. Now, being from South Louisiana, some people would accuse us of having our own culture, as you would know. But, you know, traveling the world was (laughs) absolutely rewarding for my wife and I. That's great. That's fantastic. Okay, so let's get into what you do now, currently. Yeah, so in my current role as president of Chevron Pipeline and Power, a couple of different things. One, our focus and our purpose is really around supporting our upstream and our downstream operations, both on the pipeline side and the power side. So we play a very important role in terms of delivering safe and reliable operations within compliance. On the power side, we have a large fleet of natural gas power turbines across the company, which my organization helps support through optimization and making sure that our maintenance turnarounds are effective and efficient and keeping those large engines running across the company. Very good. Very good. What got you to the point where you were like, I would like to lead this entire division? Well, it was kind of an interesting story. I was finishing up my time in Indonesia, and I was presented with an opportunity to bring two different business units together. So when I came in, we actually had a pipeline business unit, and we had a power business unit. And we saw the opportunity to bring those two business units together. So I've been with the business unit over the last five years and bringing those two together, and it's been just an absolutely fascinating and great opportunity. Very good. Well, let's get into the leadership portion now. What is leadership to you, Alan? The first thing I'd start with is it's an infinite game. You're never done learning and growing as a leader. One of the sayings our CEO, Mike Worth, has here at Chevron is it's a very powerful saying. It's very simple, but very powerful, which is leaders change outcomes and people follow leaders. And there's so much to that in terms of your leadership. So for me, it starts with creating purpose. It's really connecting your organization to purpose, understanding the role that they play. It's working with the organization to set aspirational goals. It's the North Stars, setting the North Stars for your business unit. And then from there, it's about creating a culture that really unlocks the potential, the talents, the skills, the competencies of your workforce to do great things and striving to achieve those aspirations and living up to their purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I really do see that. And y'all have a lot of culture there. So. Well, one of the great things about Chevron, I would say, is our culture and how we treat people. Yeah. Very good. Do you have an example of a difficult experience you've had as a leader? All leaders have that, but which one really stands out to you? How many hours do you have, Paige? Because I think if you're truly in touch with your leadership game, you realize you make a lot of mistakes along the yeah, way. Yeah, there's also that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I just cleared my afternoon for you. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. One of the most valuable lessons I've had actually was in my current role when I first moved mm-hmm. into this role. And again, I mentioned earlier that we took a pipeline business unit and a power business unit and we combined those together. And one of the things as I reflected back that I learned was I didn't take the time to really understand the history 
of those two different business units, where they had come from, the decisions that had been made that brought them to where they were, and the people that were involved in all of that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as doers, as red over red e-colors, we can really want to get after changing things and moving things forward. And one of my most important lessons was you've got to take the time to really understand where the businesses come from, who the people are, what motivates them, what their issues are, what their challenges are, and to really, again, come back and connect to the purpose and to align and inspire the organization on moving forward. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It's almost common sense, right? It is. And at the same time, you can get caught up in the day-to-day grind of getting things done. Right. Yeah. I can totally see that. So what's the most rewarding thing about leadership? Yeah. One of the things that I love is I'm a pretty aspirational thinker. And so I like to wake up in the mornings and think about how many more points LSU could score on Alabama, right? And so (laughs) I like to see teams overachieve. And so one of the things with my business unit that I just absolutely love is to see how we've transformed the business and to see how our leadership team and our workforce has performed over the years and just how much they're accomplishing. So as a leader, it is just so rewarding to see that progress. Yeah, I bet, especially with your culture. It kind of goes hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you have a piece of advice to give our audience? Wow. You know, for those in leadership positions, one of the greatest pieces of advice, again, that I would start with is connecting your organization to its purpose. You cannot undervalue Mm. the importance of doing that. No one wants to come to work and just do tasks and activities day after day, but People really get jazzed and fired up about having the opportunity to connect with something that's bigger and to think about how they can bring their skills, their competencies, their talents, their growth mindset, and gain fulfillment from doing great things at work with others. Yeah, because nobody just wants a pizza party as a reward, you know? Absolutely. So for leaders, biggest piece of advice, purpose and culture. Very good. Very good. What would you say is your most used business tool? I'm going to use the word tool very liberal here. Okay. A couple of things come to mind. One would be taking the time to reflect and spending time in introspection. So we can get so caught up, Paige, in the day-to-day grind of just activities and delivering the business each and every day. Taking the time to reflect and understand what we've accomplished, where things went well, where things did not go as well. I think that's really important. The introspection side to me is extremely important because as leaders, what we do and what we say matters. And I think we have to spend time really thinking about our own leadership game and thinking about what's worked, maybe where we've made mistakes, and then how do you learn from that and continue to lead the organization forward? So those are a couple of what I'll call tools that I think are very important for leaders. Yeah, they're incredibly important. And when did it just really hit you in the face that those things are important? Our current CEO, Mike Worth, I think has really challenged leaders across Chevron in a way I haven't seen a CEO do in the past within Chevron. And he's really challenged us to be better leaders within the corporation. He's been very deliberate in how he spends time with us and how he structures his global leadership forums with us and really challenges us to focus on our leadership game, to be deliberate in this space. So I would say he's been a role model in this space, but then also some of the mistakes that I made early on 
in my career. And then even coming into this business unit and bringing these two businesses together gave me the opportunity to really reflect and to internalize just how important our roles as leaders are. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Who would you say is your most respected competitor? Interesting. So one of the books I've read in the past, I really enjoyed a couple of books by Simon Sinek. And he talks about the infinite game and he talks about finding worthy competitors. So it's easy for me to say the large international EMP companies are competitors. But I think you have to look beyond that. You can go to the Permian and we're competing with many smaller EMP companies in the Permian, for example, right? And so we're in the S&P 500. So we're in competing with investor dollars across yeah. industries. So I think you have to take a very broad lens when you talk about who your competitors are and to really challenge yourself in terms of elevating the performance of your company and the returns to shareholders. Very good. So what makes you better than the competition? Our people. <laughs> our people. <laughs> I think Chevron's culture is special. I really do. And I think our culture, it's very unique in terms of the value that we place on people, the value that we place on teaming with one another, the value that we place on ingenuity and creativity and the purpose. We take very serious our purpose within the industry to deliver affordable, reliable, ever cleaner energy. And I think Chevron's a really special company. Yeah, I agree. Do you have a book that has influenced you since you did bring up one? Yeah, you know, I used to be a voracious reader. Now I'm a voracious audio book listener, is what I would say. Several books here over the last couple of years that I really enjoyed. Renee Brown, Dare to Lead. I thought that was an absolutely awesome book, talking about vulnerability as a leader. David Marquet, Turn the Ship Around, talking about empowerment in the organization. A couple of Navy SEALs wrote a few interesting books, Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomies of Leadership. Really fascinating book. Those are a few books that I've read the last couple of years I really enjoyed. Now, how have some of them helped shape you in the form of the leader you are today? Let me start with Extreme Ownership and Dichotomies of Leadership. Really intriguing books in terms of the higher you get into an organization, the more you need to recognize that you're spending a lot more time leading through others versus managing the business. And you've got to do both. There's the management of the business, but there's the leadership of the people. And both of those books talk a lot about the challenges and the struggles of doing both and the extremes that can result as you're trying to lead. So for example, you've got to be careful that you're not micromanaging everything, but at the same time, you can't abdicate responsibility for leading an organization and making certain decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Definitely. The whole micromanaging thing. I find it that a lot of people have trouble with letting go of that control and trusting their employee to do the job you hired them to do. Has that ever been an issue for you? Absolutely. I think anyone that says that they got that perfect from the beginning is probably stretching a bit. <laughs> right. You know, when you think about your first time that you become a people leader or supervisor, you're pretty close to the technical work or whatever functional work is getting done. And so you're still really yeah. close to that. The higher you get into the organization, the further away you get from that. And you're dealing with a lot of other higher level challenges and issues. You're setting purpose and strategy. You're allocating financial resources. You're making difficult decisions and trade-offs around priorities. You're getting a lot further away from some of the day-to-day -day execution. You have to empower an organization 
to run the business and to allow those that are closest to the business to make the decisions. And that's a growth journey I think any leader has to go on. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Especially in such a large company like you are now or have been for, you know, 26 years. Uh, (laughs) So throughout all of this, what has been the most important lesson you have learned? Wow. Again, I'm glad you set aside the whole afternoon for me, Paige. There's a lot of (laughs) lessons learned that I've got. One of the most important lessons learned that I've had that transcended from home into work and into leadership is around work-life balance. I remember there was a large part of my career where career was the priority. That was first. And I remember when I was leaving Indonesia and we were coming back, my son had just turned five. My daughter had just turned three. And I was spending that last month, I spent a lot of time around the house there in Indonesia as we were packing up and getting ready for the move. And as I was spending so much more time on the home front, I was looking forward to spending more time with the kids. And it was a little bit of a heartbreaking situation where my two little ones were more interested in spending time with the house staff and the yard crew. And it was a stark wake-up call for me in terms of where my priorities were and where they were not. When we moved back to the U.S. some five and a half years ago, I had a bit of a total reset in terms of how I approach work-life balance. And it has just been absolutely phenomenal. That trends into work in terms of how I lead. And for any leader to really think about how are you creating the space and the environment for those around you in your organization to strike the right work-life balance that they need to be successful, both at home and at work. And it's not easy. Yeah, no, it's not. And I think that even goes beyond leadership. I think that's just the industry in itself because of all the hard work that is put into all the things we do to create prosperity and such. But yeah, no, I definitely understand that. You know, my dad still in the industry. I've seen him less than half of my life because, you know, you'd work seven and seven. So he'd miss softball games and all this stuff, but he was there when he could be. And then it gets a little easier as you move up the ladder because you have more control over your schedule. But yeah, no, I totally understand that. It's so important that people realize it's not just leadership. It's across the board. Absolutely. You know, Paige, our job is never done, right? That's another learning with leadership is that you get to December 31st and it's not like everything's done, right? The calendar just flips and you keep going. So there's an intersection here with prioritization. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so important, especially when you have a family. Absolutely. So, yeah. So how is your role now important to the future of the oil and gas industry? Well, you know, if I start specifically with Chevron Pipeline and Power, then I'll elevate back up to Chevron as a whole. As we think about new energy businesses, whether it's carbon capture and sequestration, hydrogen business, we think about electrification and the role that that's going to play going forward. Pipeline and Power is right in the middle of that. We're going to need pipelines to transport CO2, hydrogen. We're going to need all forms of power going forward into the future. You know, my business unit is right in the middle of all that in terms of capabilities and supporting that role. Within Chevron more broadly, we set up a new Chevron New Energies business here a few years ago. And those are the exact things that we're really focused on. And one of the things that we bring is scale. We do difficult, capital-intensive industries, 
project management. There's just so many core capabilities and competencies a company like Chevron brings to the table, both in traditional energies and for future energies. And I think we're just greatly positioned to be successful in that space. Yeah, y'all have had a rough time with the new administration coming in, shutting down. A lot of odds have been stacked against this industry, especially when it comes to transporting energy. Yeah, the current regulatory environment has not been easy. I would put it that way. In fact, I was just in Washington, D.C. last week. I represent Chevron and the API Midstream Committee. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we spent time with our elected officials, and it's been a challenging administration in terms of finding the right risk-based, pragmatic approach to a world that needs both traditional energies and new energies. Right. You can't have one without the other. No. I love all forms of energy and they all have their place. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. What has been the most challenging thing regulatory wise for Chevron thus far that you're aware of? There's a number of things. One, if you just look at permitting, permitting is impacting every part of the energy industry, both our traditional businesses, whether it's exploration and production, whether it's pipeline and the midstream business. If you look at the state of permitting for new generation, you know, power generation, there's lots of issues and challenges around getting new transmission lines built and associated infrastructure. And so the energy industry as a whole has been under just tremendous pressure to meet the demands that need to be fulfilled. Permitting just Absolutely. We need real reform in this space. I agree. Are you under the jurisdiction of FERC? or? Yeah. So we have both pipeline power. There's the FERC side of things. Then we also have non-FERC regulated lines as well. Oh, okay. Okay. And people that often listen to this show know my background's regulatory compliance. So I'm just trying to nerd out over here. <laughs> hey, well, after this call's over, I'm going to call you and ask you for some advice in that space. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see how well that goes. <laughs> So what are your thoughts around telling someone about this industry that doesn't understand it? Paige, I'm not sure how it came to be, but somehow I feel like the industry as a whole lost a bit of the narrative. And unfortunately, the narrative has been filled in with false information by those that are not taking a practical approach, an and approach to how we're going to supply energy in the future. And, you know, I think there's an education that we as an industry have to continue to lean into. So many folks don't recognize how fossil fuels touch their daily life, from fabric in their clothes to their iPhones to pharmaceuticals. You go on and on and on, and it's basic education. And so there's more that we've got to do to just help folks understand the role that hydrocarbons play in their life. Yeah, yeah. It boggles my mind that people don't understand what byproducts come from oil and gas. Well said. Specifically oil. But yeah, I guess the part that surprises me the most, people don't go and do their own research. They allow the media to influence their opinions instead of doing the research themselves. Because there's so many different facets of information out there. Yeah, we bring a lot of prosperity. Yeah, <laughs> and that's an area I think we as an industry can do a better job at is spreading the correct information, the proper information And then working with media as well to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people are busy, right? People are busy. But it's easy to turn on the radio. It's easy to turn on the TV and it's easy to hear things. And so we have to lean into that a bit more as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just the industry was attacked for so long that everybody was just kind of like, 
it's okay. And then it just got worse and worse. And then everybody woke up and went, oh, no. Okay, that's enough. Let's take care of this the right way. Yeah, And started correcting people. Yeah. So do you have a favorite podcast? Well, obviously, this has to be my favorite for this week, right? (laughs) Flavor of the week, right? (laughs) I listen to everything. I listen to everything. I just finished one called Purpose and Passion. I talked about purpose a little bit earlier. So Purpose and Passion is one I've just finished. And obviously, I've started listening to this one more, and I've continued to listen to it, Paige. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So if people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Chevron, how might they go about doing so, Alan? Yeah. Well, hey, look, Chevron, we've got our website out there. There is tons of information out there on the website. So take some time and peruse through that. As far as me directly, I'm on LinkedIn. So look me up and send me a message. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. It's been great to be with you. Fantastic. All right. Well, that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Tune in next week for another intriguing episode of Oil and Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.